Kristen, one of the big movies we're going to talk about this week is called Black or White, starring Kevin Costner. He plays a grandfather who is uh, taking care of a mixed-race girl. She's part black, part white. Um, and uh, I think the movie is about trying to perhaps bridge the gap between two cultures, overcome racial prejudice, confront the prejudice that exists in all of us. It occurs to me that uh, both you and I are from mixed-race families. Yes, we sure are. Tell me your story. Yeah, so my family is mostly white and black. I'm adopted. Got the German. My mom, she was Irish. My sister and I, Korean. So, yeah, we got a mix of everything in my family. Once in a while, (laughs) I notice people go onto our Facebook page and I... And and we'll get a comment saying, "Well, that's not what I thought you guys." Were like. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And once in a while, we'll get somebody who writes in and says, "You're just a white Park Slope hipster rafer," and it's like your last name is Guzman. I know. And, I know. And I think it's so funny whenever people make presumptions about us because um, I don't know, maybe because we're public radio people or whatever. They, maybe. Yeah. Wh- whatever it is, your family. Half Mexican, half Anglo. Yeah, uh, Mexican on my father's side, and then the other side is uh, German, Swedish, Dutch, Scandinavian uh, potpourri. Yeah, my family was basically a mix of, uh, you know, tamales, uh, tortillas, potato chips, and American cheese, and, uh, <laughs> you know, just the whole kind of gamut. Yeah, that, was our, that was our cuisine. So uh, maybe you and I can bring a little light to the subject of black or white. When we get to that, we're also going to talk about Project Almanac, a uh, teen-oriented time travel movie, and Song One, the new Brooklyn hipster musical drama with Anne Hathaway. We'll get to all that in a minute, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Mines, our culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. My baby don't care for shows My baby don't care Let's kick things off, Kristen, with Project Almanac. Ooh, this is a time travel movie with you wanna... three teenagers. Yes, that's right. You want to tell us about it? Yeah. So our three teens here in this case are, uh, they're all college bound. Our main character, played by Johnny Weston, is trying to get into MIT. He knows how to make things like drones and he uh, discovers some secret plans in the basement of his house for a time machine, which he and his friends decide they're going to assemble, go back in time. But then, of course, things don't always go as planned. Here is a clip. There's this footage of me at my seventh birthday. I mean, I was at my seventh birthday. We were all at your seventh yeah. birthday. No, I know, I know. Here, just, you don't understand. Just, just, just watch this. Right there. That can't be. That's me. God, things never go as planned when you travel through time. Have you noticed that? No, they never go well. And You know, you do one thing and it seems like you're making things better, but you might be making other things worse. And all of this just so he can get into MIT? <laughs> Man. Well, well it's not well, just for that. It's, it's for some other reasons, There's a too. girl. There's, there's a girl a, involved. There's a girl. There's his late father involved. There's yes. a few different other elements involved. Now... The first thing I noticed watching this movie was it felt very reminiscent of a movie last year that you and I both hated called Earth to Echo. Now, because of the found footage conceit, it's all supposed to be found footage that the that the teenagers took with their video cameras, right? Is that yeah. why it reminded you of that? It's that. Also because you have three teen kids, two of whom are white, 
all of whom are nerds, mm-hmm. yep. all of them who are awkward around girls, but they kind of take it to the next level in this one where they're not just awkward around girls, where all of the girls who are in it, the two girls essentially, Johnny Weston's sister and then uh, the love interest, they're really just boobs and butt and yeah. no brains. And there's a lot of gratuitous, let's do a close-up on this butt. Yeah. Let's have sister lean over in a tank top that's almost showing her nipples <laughs> yeah. every single time she's on screen. I noticed that too. Yes. And I feel kind of creepy watching girls who are ostensibly 16, 17, 18 years old, scantily clad constantly. Look, let's go on a slip and slide for no reason and be all wet. Let's take off our tank tops and show our bras. <laughs> Look, I'm in a towel now. Look, I'm taking off my towel now. But isn't that? I mean, isn't this supposed to be what the new, what the new teenage, what the kids today are like? Aren't the kids freer? Aren't they more free with their bodies? Aren't they always doing this kind of stuff? They're, They're so always, liberated. They don't have yeah. any of our hangups. They're always showing it off on Instagram. Oh yeah, come and get it. Come yeah, get it. no, creepy. No, you say no. I, I was, I really bugged me. I just thought I wouldn't want to show this to any teenage girls I know, and I wouldn't want to show it to t- teenage boys. I'm sure teenage boys might like all those girls looking like that. But yeah, sure. I just think that's a horrible model for. Showing girls as non-thinkers, none, yeah. of, none of them think. They just show off their boobs. Yeah. And I think that's a horrible thing for girls to see, too. For the first few minutes, I would say this movie kind of had me. And I, I thought to myself, I'm going to forgive the found footage handheld camera thing for at least a minute and go with the story. But then I think the problem is there's actually not that much to the story and there's nothing to the characters. The characters are just total stock teen types. You've got the party hardy guy. You've got the amiable Asian guy. Uh, John, the Johnny Weston's character, and and he's good, by the way, Johnny Weston. He's from Kelly and Cal, uh, a movie yes. that we both liked. Yes, we did. Um, and uh, he had a little uh, spot in Taken 3 as well. Uh, I think he's on the rise. But the Johnny Weston character, there's not that much to him. Again, as you said, the girls are pretty much just trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it seemed to me that the the main thing this film was going for was the kids. We're going to appeal to the kids. And I'm starting to feel, frankly, that the the found footage conceit is really – it's starting to kind of feel like yesterday's zeitgeist to Not me. yesterday's. I was going to say like last two, millennia. Two generations like, ago, I, you think? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I just feel – you know, it was really edgy and interesting when Blair Witch came out. And it was even fine maybe right. for the first Paranormal Activity movie. Right. But then beyond that, why is this still happening? Right. Well, exactly. Does any, is anyone really all jazzed up about this? And I feel like it tries so hard to be – you know, youth, youth, teens, 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 and it just it feels I don't know, it's like a it's like an old teacher trying to be hip or something. It doesn't it doesn't work. I'm just gonna say the one thing that really bugged me is first of all, they go back in time just to do all these really trivial, uninteresting win things. The lottery. Let's win the lottery. Okay, that's a big surprise. I could tell the screenwriter really put some brain power into that one. And then, you know, I'm gonna pass my chemistry test and then Let's all go back and catch that concert we missed. And the concert turned out to be Lollapalooza. And I kept thinking, Lollapalooza? How 90s can you get? I mean, I know Lollapalooza is still going, but it just seemed like such an outdated reference to me. You know, I just thought, oh, is Jane's Addiction playing? Are the, you know what I mean? Like, is Joan Osborne up there? Are you all excited to see Lisa Loeb? dying to. You know? Oh God! So I don't know. I I I was kind of willing to go with it. I kind of thought, all right, maybe this will be an enjoyable throwaway teen flick, and it's not. It's just a bad. It's a bad time travel date. Yeah, I'd say Project Almanac is a very bad date. And again, please don't bring your kids. Bad, bad role modeling. <laughs> don't watch this movie. Don't I have to agree. And my boat went black. 
And a thousand diamond bags. All right, well, tell us if there's a better role model to be had in Song One with Anne Hathaway. Now, this is just a small little indie movie. Anne Hathaway is finishing her PhD in Morocco, and she gets a phone call from back home in Brooklyn. And the phone call is that her brother has been in an accident. He was hit by a car and is now in a coma. You must come home immediately, her mom says. Her mom's played by the wonderful Mary Steenburgen, who's I always have... terrific. And Anne Hathaway, her, she's very different from her younger brother. Her brother is somebody who has, you know, dropped out of college, always wanted to be a musician. And it turns out not only is he trying to live the musician's life in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, South Williamsburg, Brooklyn, he also just is obsessed with borderline stockish following hmm. this one musician Johnny Flynn plays him. The character's name is James Forrester, this musician. And his room is covered with posters and movie tickets. And everything about him is about James Forrester. He loves James Forrester. Anne Hathaway realizes that James Forrester is in town playing a show. She goes, sees him play. And before you know it, she's not just a fan who's trying to connect with her brother through this musician. She is physically and personally connecting with him as well. Hmm. Here's a clip. Listen to Henry's song. It's great. I mean, I liked it a lot. I know it's really good, isn't it? You know, you would really flip out if you knew you were here. He's kind of obsessed. Not like in a freaky way or anything, just, you know. Um, I could play him something if. Not, not if. Not if you don't want me to. I don't. I don't have to. No, no. That I. That would be great. I'm sure he, he would. He would love that. Now, Kristen, have you seen the clip of Anne Hathaway promoting this film on John Stewart's show? No. What is she doing? Uh, she comes on the show to talk about the film, as as actresses and films do, and she begins to tell the story of the film. And there's a pause, and she and John Stewart both just start cracking up. Because the because the premise is so ridiculous, <laughs> and they both start laughing, and Anne Hathaway can't control herself, and John Stewart can't control himself, and they keep trying to get serious again and return to the matter at hand, and every time Anne Hathaway tries to go back to her stump speech about the film, she starts laughing again. She actually starts crying because she's laughing so hard. It's very funny. Um, it's very funny. And I was, first I was kind of shocked. So I thought well, some, Anne Hathaway was going to get in trouble with her producers for going on and mocking this film. But of course, she is one of the producers. So I guess uh, she felt a little more leeway to poke fun at her own film. But how did you think that this movie stacked up? Are you able to take this this soap opera-ish indie rock storyline oh, seriously? It's ridiculous. It's okay. just ridiculous. I think anybody who is from the South Williamsburg neighborhood in Brooklyn is going to love this because it's like, oh, that's around the corner from me. That's right. the, Look, it's Pete's Candy Store. It's, oh, <laughs> right. look, the, There's the trash and bar. and Yeah, right. all that stuff. Okay. Like, hey, look, I'm on a rooftop looking at water. This right. is great. But um, And I also think Mary Steenburgen and Anne Hathaway are always wonderful. I love, yeah, both, I, of, me I love too. both of them. And the music is actually okay. But I would suggest just putting this on and letting the soundtrack play in the background and then just making out with someone you love. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, just have it around for that reason. And um, I wouldn't necessarily watch it for the plot, <laughs> which is ridiculous and flimsy. <laughs> okay. and might make you burst out into laughter like Anne Hathaway talking to Jon Stewart. So might not be the best movie movie, but... You know, I, I'd say for a movie about musicians, 
the music is not bad, at least. Oh, all right. So okay. you at least have that. I'm, that this is the most horrible half-assed recommendation, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a pretty lukewarm rah-rah there on song one, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen worse movies about musicians. I will say it's not as bad as Once, which I okay. did not like that I movie hate, at I all. hated that I film. I hated Once. Okay, song one. There you go. <laughs> Dressed in white cotton. Staring at the phone. All right, let's let's talk about the big meaty movie of the week. The one we started off talking about at the top of the podcast, Black or White. Tell us all about this, Rafer. Well, as I said, Kevin Costner plays a, a grandfather to he's a... He's white. He, uh, <laughs> he's white. Thank you for pointing that out. It's an important detail. Uh, he is the grandfather to a, a mixed-race little girl. Uh, his daughter had a relationship with a uh, black guy, a black uh, drug addict, drifter, ne'er-do-well, criminal, criminal violent, somewhat violent, loser. right, named Reggie, played by Andre Holland. Um, Everything is going well, aside from the fact that the daughter dies and Kevin Costner's wife dies, everything else is going quite fine. And he's raising this child, and the, he and the child love each other very much. They're a, they're a, a, a nice, warm little family. But Reggie's family uh, from South Central, uh, Kevin Costner lives in Santa Monica. Reggie's family decides they want custody of the little girl, Eloise. And uh, the grand the grandmother, the matriarch of that family, Rowena, is played by Octavia Spencer. She is going to bring that child back into the fold. And the and her gambit, her legal gambit, is going to be that Kevin Costner's character, Elliot, is actually a racist. Here is a clip. We need to start talking about a shared custody. Not going to happen. No? No. Like I say, you're all welcome to come visit. But you don't want her down here, do you, Elliot? Down here with the black folks. Don't, don't start with that. Got a little black mouth tutor. Is that going to do it? Hmm? Take care of that whole half of her soul. What is it with you? Why do you always have to go there? What is it with you that you don't want to admit that there's a there there? Kristen, let's first talk about Kevin Costner. I like Kevin Costner. Do you? Kind of, but I Mm. kind of like him like that uncle that shows up at the family gathering once in a while. And you're kind of happy he's there because he's nice and he's stable and he might tell you a funny story. But he doesn't actually emotionally... I don't get excited about him exactly. Hmm. I'm just like, oh, look, Uncle Kevin's at the party. That's nice. It's nice to see Uncle Kevin again. <laughs> I think he's actually pretty good in this film. Um, you know, he uh, he has a drinking problem, which, of course, will be used against him in court. Um, and he drinks a lot of scotch. I can relate to that. And he, but I think delicious. he's a, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> Glenn Callan, 50 year old, by the way. Uh, Glenn Callan does not exist. It's a prop scotch. It's a fake, it's a fake movie brand. <laughs> they sip that on Grey's Anatomy every now and then, by the way. A little detail for you. What? Really? Yes, that's correct. That's so funny. Um, so, but anyway, so he's, you know, he's, he drinks too much scotch. He's got a drinking problem. I, I think he's good at playing this kind of character. He's a well healed, white, Rich lawyer guy who's got some personal problems, some anger. He's got that kind of white male anger and self pity, and I think it. I think it works well. I think he's good in the role. I think Octavia Spencer is pretty good. Anthony Mackie plays the lawyer, kind of a Johnny Cochran esque lawyer who's going to play the race car. Who's also her brother. He's good. Um, I guess I'm going to start with one objection, which is. That even though this story apparently was uh, based in uh, some events that happened in the actual family of uh, Mike Binder, who's the uh, writer-director, none of this seemed that realistic to me, beginning with the idea that a black family would have to sue 
for custody to take a mixed-race child away from the white grandfather who wants her by claiming that he is a racist. It just on its face did not make that much sense. Do you know what I'm saying? I would say that's an issue. Okay. (laughs) But, But I would say one of the bigger issues to me was really... It was so not about black or white stuff. It was about all this other stuff that was happening. Crack addiction, criminal record, alcoholism. Right. Uh, you live in this neighborhood. It was so much about class and money that hmm, it almost felt, okay. And it almost felt that black or white wasn't really what the big issue was in the story. It was about two families that were very divided and that it wasn't about race. It was about, frankly, Octavia Spencer's son, the father of her granddaughter. Right. He's just a complete low-life criminal who nobody should ever rely on, including a child. Well, that's the other, that's the other odd thing is that, is that Octavia Spencer's character insists, insists that Reggie is going to – that Reggie, the, you know, the, the child's actual father, he's, you know, he's going to be the best dad. He should be that girl's father. And I just feel like, you know, I understand – He knows he's not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as we can all see here in the audience, the guy is just – an ineffectual, drug-addicted, lying, drifting, you know, unreliable, weak, wretched, coward, sniveling, knock-kneed, no good. And I kind of feel like, what is, where's the dramatic tension here, You, what you've presented me with? And this is, I think, a bigger problem. What you've really presented me with is uh, an, a, 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 basically an impeccable white hero, Kevin Costner, and then this kind of sorely mistaken black family. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. tries desperately to play the race card, which I think we all can can say is a pretty low blow. And they come off looking a little, I don't know what, like kind of pathetic and, and underhanded, um, uh, not well suited to raise a, a girl at all. And I just feel like the chips are completely stacked in favor of white, <laughs> frankly. So when it's called black or white, you're thinking the movie should just be retitled definitely white. The answer is definitely white. <laughs> The answer is definitely, definitely white. And I found that really, it, it, I mean, aside from being almost like inadvertently, accidentally racist, because I don't think that's the film's main goal, I just found it I, as dramatically, it gives you, you've got, it's not like Kramer versus Kramer, where you can kind of see a little bit of both sides. You understand you've got these two sympathetic adversaries that are that are fighting for the same prize. You understand where they're coming from. It's just so clear that you're like, you know, this black family has just lost its mind. <laughs> you just feel like these these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Do you know? And it and it, I don't know what what am I watching? I just I thought black and white could have been a pretty good date given the cast and given the subject matter, and it wound up being uh, I don't know, kind of like it's like a it's like someone who makes a, an offensive racist statement at a party without meaning to, and you kind of feel bad for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was sort of a, a sort of a, a cringeworthy date or something, or yeah. like a, or like I, I just I felt I felt I felt sorry for the film. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You? I mean, what did you? I mean, what's your ultimate? I, what's your I, verdict? I would agree completely with you. Well intentioned, but just gets it all wrong. Kind of. You know what it reminds me a little bit of? What people in the 70s, what the popular narrative was to say to your mixed race kids or to kids like me who were adopted, you're just as good as white. (laughs) Exactly. Not a great date. Not a great date. Okay. Oh, well, stay with us, though, because we have some good date sort of suggestions coming up in our weekly sweatpants pick as well as some movie therapy. We'll be right back. 
I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. And this is Movie Date. So, Rafer, it's that magic time that we like to call sweatpants. You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know, does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Sweatpants, what do we got this week? Well, there's this thing called, I forgot what it is. They have this ball and they throw it at each other. The football bowl. Oh, yes, that's what it's called. The Super Bowl. Oh, Super. It's not the Fantastic Ball. No, it's not. (laughs) But you know what? I think all of our movie daters know this. You you don't even care about sports, No, I don't. I'm going to challenge you. Which teams are playing? No idea. (laughs) Is it the Seahawks? That is correct. And the no wait the for, Cincinnati Seahawks. No, the, <laughs> come on now, the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And is it the Patriots? Well done. Is that right? That's right. Because of Deflate Gate. That's the only reason I know all this. Well, and also I, for some strange reason, my son Brooklyn boy um, is a big Seahawks fan. He's always walking around the house going, "My Seahawks!" Isn't he like? Are the seven? Seahawks playing? I'm like, what? <laughs> why do you care? Why do you care about the Seattle Seahawks? <laughs> Uh, but for some reason, he's adopted them as his team. But um, for those of you who are, like me, not particularly interested in football, what else is there to watch, Kristen? Well, we have a very special guest with us back today, Sarah Montague. She's the executive producer of Selected Shorts at WNYC, a wonderful series that you should listen to. But she's also WNYC's resident animal expert. She reports on the Westminster Dog Show every year. She she just knows everything about all things animals. We've had her on the show in the past uh, talking about what kind of dog Mr. Peabody is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think we've had her on one other podcast too, but Sarah's wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Not at all. I cannot imagine why you thought I was the person who might want to talk about why you don't want to watch large men hurling themselves at each other. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm your girl. All right. Well, we are here to ask you about probably the most famous alternative viewing option to the Super Bowl, which is the Puppy Bowl. Now, what? Now, how did how did this start, and why is this thing so popular? I'm assuming, of course, that it was a wonderful opportunity for parody. And if you add cuteness to parody, you can hardly go wrong. So, of course, the premise of the Puppy Bowl is that they are just as determined to make their goals as the guys on the Seahawks and the Patriots, (laughs) except, of course, they're puppies and they have no idea what they're doing and they cannot control their limbs and they're very easily distracted. Oh, wait, that's football. (laughs) Uh, Sarah, boy, Sarah's giving it to football today. Anyway, this is the premise, and they toss them out into the ring, and there is some vague adjudication while they flop about enchantingly, but mostly this is eye candy, and you cannot get enough of it. Little roly-poly furry creatures with kind of biggish feet and biggish heads. That type, too, although sometimes they throw in as a ringer the odd Jack Russell and OCDC type of dog that is really interested in getting something done. Oh, But oh. is interfered with by the roly-poliness that is generally around. <laughs> So much comedic potential there. (laughs) And it's actually a miniature dog football field? Exactly. (laughs) That's adorable. Exactly. playing with footballs? Do you know, I have to say, the last time I saw it, I cannot remember. I think they probably threw in the odd ringer. I'm fairly sure I remember a plush toy or two Mm. being tossed around as well. Mm. That's good. And the animals are actually up for adoption. 
Yes, that's the nice thing about it. They do. They generally partner with shelters, so there's a big pitch by the hosts to remind you that these are animals who could use homes, and if they have already been selected, which is often the case, of course, because lots of people get to meet them while they're prepping, then there are other opportunities of this type. Um, so, in fact, it's a good deed wagging that tail. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, and last year they started a spinoff called the Kitten Bowl? Indeed. Now, this premise is in any way, in many ways even more intriguing because, as we all know, you can kind of persuade a dog to do something <laughs> that you like. You can never, ever, ever persuade a cat to do something that you like. So this is a group of anarchists playing yeah. a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like potential for just sort of distracted, you know, spaciness and uh, just cats sitting around ignoring each other, you yeah. know? Licking themselves. Right. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of the cartoonist Gary Larson, one of his most famous panels is a split panel in which an agitated owner is, it believes, having a conversation with its pet. In the top panel, it is talking to a dog. Blah, 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 blah. The dog hears the word ginger, its name. Bottom panel, cat, blank. Yes, blank dialogue. Although, and I remember that cartoon. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> Cats, as we know, tend to come in two forms. They come in zen and frenzied. They come alternatively in zen and frenzied. So I suppose the appeal here is going to be, do we get zen or frenzy or some interesting combination of zen or frenzy? Don't throw that thing at me. I'm chilling. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Now, there's this one last thing we have to point out, something called the fish bowl. And so uh, the puppy bowl has been on Animal Planet for over 10 years now. The kitten bowl in its second year this year. But what is this fish bowl? What is this fish bowl that's on Nat Geo? Well, the distinguished magazine National Geographic, of course, feels that it has a claim to all things natural and organic and has decided to take back its territory with the distinguished fishbowl. This is probably where the adjective zen should have come up because the fishbowl is exactly what you might imagine it is. There is a real limit to what you can persuade a goldfish to do unless you're feeding yes. it. So the point of this is not at all the activity of the object. The object is a contemplative moment and the intrigue is where do you get an opportunity to contemplate it. They did it for the first time last year and I gather it was a cityscape of some kind. This year... Um, after overwhelming derision, they've decided <laughs> to take their fishbowls out into the country. So the fishbowls are placed in opportune places around a farm. And what you get to watch is bemused cows and agitated chickens marching by and looking at the goldfish floating in their bowls. <laughs> so this is this is it's a meta it's a meta experience. It's it's, it's, ba- it's the Yule log. It's, it's basically the Yule log. It's the Yule log with fins. Yes. Okay. Oh Here, I just want to read very quickly uh, National Geographic Television's description which is this. Join Goldie, an average household goldfish, and her fishy friends as they party down at Nat Geo's wild fishbowl. So they clearly have some sense of humor about what they're doing here. Or we assume that Goldie is actually Miley Cyrus, and when she gets onto the farm, she turns into something else. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, so there, there, are your, there are your, your various variegated alternative viewings for the Super Bowl for so, this Sunday. So put on your sweatpants. <laughs> Sarah Montague from Selected Shorts, resident animal expert at WNYC. Thank you so much for helping us make a decision about what to watch this weekend. As Joe Pesci said in my favorite Oscar speech, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun, Kristen. 
And because I love puppies. I, I know you do. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love a puppy? Hitler. Hitler. Hitler hated puppies. <laughs> Hitler and Manson. Um, Marilyn Manson. Uh, okay. Because this is such a jam-packed podcast, Kristen, we are now going to put on our doctor's hats. Doctors don't have hats. Our doctors lab coats. Oh yes, yes, lab coats. What are the, they had those shiny mirrors. That I don't know what those are called. To their heads. That popped into my head too. <laughs> But I don't know what that's called. And we're going, we're, going to, we're going to give out some movie therapy. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! Dr. Meinzer, what's this week's question? This week, we have a question. This is the second time in a year now we've had a question from the great Hillary Frank. Hey, Kristen and Rafer. This is your friend, Hillary Frank, from the podcast The Longest Shortest Time, which as you know, is all about struggles in parenthood. And we're doing this series right now on sex and parenthood, and this might not surprise you, but a ton of parents told us that they have trouble getting back in the swing of things after they have kids. So, um, you know, it's like hard to get in the mood after a day of cleaning up snot and vomit and poop or fighting with your kid about homework. So here's my question for you. Do you have any recommendations of movies that can help parents feel like getting it on? Well, Rafer, I feel like that's a question you can understand because you've had two kids. Hey, I yes. certainly can. Yes, you're a married man with two kids. You love the movies. How are we going to get our sexy on here? Well, it's this is difficult because there aren't really that many movies that have been addressed that, that, that address this topic specifically. Uh, so I think what maybe we should try to go for is movies about – Sexual liberation, recapturing a little bit of magic, maybe exploring something you haven't done before, tapping into that side of you that's been buried. Um, and so my pick, and I can't play a clip of it because it's in French, my pick is Belle du Jour. Oh, excellent choice. Classic movie from 1967. Catherine Deneuve plays a housewife. She's sexually frustrated. She and her husband don't really have that great a sexual relationship. But through some complicated circumstances, she becomes acquainted with some prostitutes at a brothel and decides to join their ranks. And she gets the nickname Belle du Jour, which is a little bit of a pun because usually it's the lady of the night. But because she's a housewife and can only come to the brothel during the day when her husband is away, she becomes the Belle du Jour. And she begins to find that she actually likes sleeping with all these strange men. And there's no strings attached. And she gets to play out various fantasies. And then at the end of the day, she gets to leave it all behind and go back home. So I think it's a really interesting movie. I think it's a lot of fun. This was a big hit for Luis Buñuel, an arty film director that I think most Americans have never cottoned on too much. But this is a very accessible, very fun, very franche movie. Mm. And I think it, I think it will, uh, you know... Hillary might uh, give people a few ideas. Love that. Love that pick. And you, Dr. Meinzer? I'm going to suggest a movie that came out about, oh gosh, 13 years ago now. Wow, can't believe it's been that long. 2002, Secretary. Yes. Starring Maggie Gyllenhaal in her major breakout role. Uh, she is a secretary. Her boss, James Spader. The great James the Spader. The great James Spader. Plays a... Dominant bossy man, if you will, uh, bossy boss. And she realizes that she's got a certain kind of submissive side that she enjoys being put in her place by her boss, she finds out. Here's a clip. Now I want you to bend over the desk so you're looking directly at it. Get your face very close to the letter and read the letter aloud. Um, I don't understand. 
There's nothing to understand. Put your elbows on the desk. Bend over. Get your face close to the letter and read it aloud. Ah, yes. Now, Bend Kristen, over and pick up those pencils. <laughs> this is pick an odd, them up right now. This is an odd choice, mm. I find. Yeah, Explain you're going to do this. what I say and you're going to like it. Yes, you are. And you know what? I think now is a good time, Hillary, you and your listeners after maybe being in a rut. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe your sex is kind of, at this point, mechanical. Maybe you're half asleep when sex is happening. Maybe you're not having sex at all. Maybe your last time you were having sex, you were just focused on procreation, not on recreation. And maybe now is a great time just to explore new things. I know Fifty Shades is coming out very soon. but This is a good primer for that. This is a good primer for that. But also just the idea of having fun and role play, doing something that's ridiculous and one of the fun things about Secretary is it has such a sense of humor about itself. Yes, it's it not, does. It's not trying to be serious, which I think Fifty Shades is going to do. Oh, boy. I'm it so excited like for Fifty Shades. I, I can't wait. Are. God, I can't wait for that movie. Let me at it. <laughs> Listeners, Rafer's only looking forward to it because he's going to make fun of it. No, I'm, but, I'm fascinated by it. Anyway, that's, but, that's, that's for a different podcast. Okay, that's a different podcast. But Secretary, have fun with sex. Bring the adventure back to it. All right. You know, try on some costumes, do a little role play, boss each other around a little bit and make it a little bit out of the ordinary. Unless that's what your ordinary is. I'm I'm not really sure what your ordinary is, but that that's what I would suggest. That's my prescription. Dr. Meinzer, I concur. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 change uh change tracks now, wrap things up with trivia. What was last week's trivia question, Kristen? So last week, in honor of The Boy Next Door, starring J-Lo as an older woman who has a little bit of a, a, a little dalliance, if you will, with a much younger man, teenager, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about older woman, younger man, sexy movies, and we played this clip. Here I am again. Want to dance? How? Your eyes are amazing, you know that? You should never shut them, not even at night. I think this is a mistake. There's no such thing as a mistake. There's what you do and what you don't do. We asked you to tell us what that movie was. A lot of you called and wrote in with the right answer, but we can only pick one. Hi, my name is Candy, and I'm from Kirkcaud, Massachusetts, and I'm calling about the trivia. And the answer to this week's question is Unfaithful, starring Diane Lane, Richard Gere, and Olivia Martinez. And I've seen it an embarrassingly high number of times. And that's all I'll say. Thanks. Nice. And your name's Candy. Ooh. That's kind of sexy, too. It is very sexy. Yeah, sweet and sexy, Candy. (laughs) (laughs) We love that you've seen Unfaithful so many times. Yeah. Maybe that should have been our pick for It's a really good movie, actually. It's a really good movie. Mm, Yum. Very good. Now it's time for this week's trivia. We've been talking about Black or White, a movie about relationships between the two races. We thought of a movie with a similar theme, not quite the same, but similar. Let's play a clip. I mean, what are you saying? I'm just saying that I'm confused. That's all that I'm saying. Confused about what? Me? A little bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, maybe. Maybe? So hold on, what, 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 what? Are we just talking about steps and school? Are you talking about, like, the grocery store and, like, the sidewalk and museums? I mean, you got to break it down a little bit better for me, Sarah, because I don't get it. When is it okay for us to be together, to be seen together? Why are you getting mad? I'm just trying to be honest. Nobody wants to see us together. 
We spend more time defending our relationship than actually having one. See if you can name that movie about black-white relationships. If you can, give us a call, 5717-MOVIES. Or you can always message us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. An angel, so why?